What's up, everybody, and happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Smith. We are presented by College Game Time, and we've got a action-packed weekend to get through. I'm going to start with the AP poll because, as I've been saying, things are starting to become clear, or we're starting to get a idea of how things could potentially play out. Obviously, we've got a couple weeks, I think, left until the CFP rankings initial release happens. None of it matters until the end of the season, but it's fun along the way to kind of track what the polls are doing <clears throat> to kind of get an idea of what needs to happen or how certain things could happen week to week to impact that New Year's Six bid for the group of five conferences. Um, I'm also going to go through the weekend slate like I typically do on Monday, the Monday mowdown. But before I get into it, you know what to do. If you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe. Comment at the end, share it with a friend. If you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please leave a five-star rating and leave a positive review. Um, I mean, this is the underdog show, man. College underdogs presented by College Game Time. This is what we do. We're covering the American Athletic Conference as well as other G5 conferences, um, especially right now the Mountain West, since they're in the driver's seat for the New Year's Six bid. And I'll talk more about that in just a second. But that's what we're doing. And as we transition into basketball, we're going to slide right into the mid-major conferences. Um, even though I feel like we've got some major teams playing in mid-major conferences. But mid-major conference basketball, in my opinion, is the best basketball in the country. But enough is enough of that. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Please leave a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify if you haven't already. I would greatly appreciate it. But let's get to it. So the AP poll released yesterday afternoon, like it always does. And uh, Air Force moved up, number 19. Tulane hung in there at number 22. Um, JMU is in now at number 25. James Madison, the ineligible James Madison, is in at 25. And I talked a couple of weeks ago about their attorney general, the state of Virginia's attorney general, who's lobbying the NCAA to approve the waiver for JMU to be eligible this year for bowl participation. Um, I get it. It's a polarizing topic because there's half of people, fans, you know, who think that it's a rule. It needs to stay this way. You know, they're, they're in transition. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Then there's another side who feels like, well, okay, the rule was to help with the transition. If you look at other teams, like there's one particular team that's in the same conference as JMU that I see a lot of pushback um, from their fan base and sports writers as it pertains to why JMU should not be out of, be let out of this transition window early. But the thing is, is that particular team in their transition window, they weren't winning any games. Whereas JMU, on the other hand, they've done nothing but win since they went FBS. And as I said a couple weeks ago, it was either the AD at JMU or maybe their head coach in the same report that discussed the attorney generals lobbying towards the NCAA was saying, look, I think if we fast forward eight weeks down the road and we're at the top of the rankings as it pertains to the group of five, he said, I can't remember if it was the AD or the head coach, but he goes, I believe the NCAA will do the right thing. And to bring context, context to that, what he was saying, what he meant by the right thing was, that they'll approve a waiver for them to participate. I'm I, Listen, I know some of you disagree with this, but if James Madison is the top-ranked G5 come that first weekend in December, 
they deserve, well, I guess before the first weekend, they, they deserve that waiver so that they can play for their conference championship and then have the opportunity to get the New Year's Six bid if they've earned it. That's just my opinion on it. That's how I feel about it. And, um, you know, feel free to argue that and whatever. But, like, you won't change my mind on that, but I understand if there's people who, who feel opposite of me who won't change their mind on it either. Either way, it'll be a non-issue next year because whether the waiver gets approved or not, a new waiver comes through and gets approved or not, like the transition window will be over after this year. And JMU is going to definitely be a team to keep an eye on as it pertains to group of five football. But they're in at 25 and then other teams receiving votes. Liberty's in there at 17. Undefeated Liberty, mind you. I'm telling you, their strength of schedule is what's killing them right now. And I'd hate to say playing midweek is hurting them, but you, you understand these voters right? It's, it's very subjective. And if a lot of them don't pay close enough attention during the week as they should, that could be impacting them as well. The fact that they're playing midweek. Now, the balance of that is, is they're on linear coverage and they're the only show in town on those midweek games, but there's just not as much eyes on midweek college football as on Saturday college football. And I don't know how much of that is relevant to the voters who determine these polls. Uh, Fresno State's back in the mix at, with eight votes. Toledo, new team receiving votes at three. That's a MAC. And then we've got UNLV with one vote. UNLV was a team I told you last week we need to keep an eye on. Not just because they're continuing to win, but their only loss was to Michigan. And quite frankly, they've played Michigan tighter than anybody else in the country, except for, ironically, ECU. That's what's wild. East Carolina has given Michigan their toughest game so far. If you look at, you know, if you're just looking at the score. And then I want to say the second toughest was UNLV. But they're also set to play some big games, including this weekend. UNLV has Fresno and they have Air Force. And those are two games that could catapult UNLV into the New Year's Six discussion even louder than what they already are. I think here's the, here's what we can extract from this. All right. Um, the mountain West conference is in the driver's seat right now. Been saying that, but it's not just because of air force. Obviously if air force wins out, they're going to get that new year six bid, meaning they finish the season undefeated. They win their conference championship. They're in, you know what, as I've been saying, there's a part of me that wouldn't mind the triple option offense being in the New Year's Six, especially if it's going to be like when Georgia Tech played Mississippi State years ago, when it was Mississippi State was just chasing their tail, trying to stop it. I would love to see a service academy playing triple option football against a Power Five team in a New Year's Six, just absolutely making them chase their tail. I think that would be a bold statement for G5 football. And honestly, it would probably be a bold statement for um, this, this, the, the, the expanded playoff allowing a G5 team in. But anyways, other than that, I mean, Air Force isn't the only team because Air Force just beat Navy. So they're, you know, number 19 and they've got UNLV on their schedule. Uh, they don't have Fresno State. That would be a conference championship matchup only. That's why this UNLV Fresno State game is so big this weekend, but they will play UNLV. I think they're second to last game of the season air force will so there's just still some ways this mountain west conference thing the way the matchups play out 
I, I think there's a path where either Fresno or UNLV would leapfrog Tulane if Air Force lost, if it was under the right conditions. What do I mean by that? Well, if UNLV beats Fresno State this weekend and then they continue to win, Air Force continues to win, and who knows, Air Force could be a top 15 team by the time they play UNLV. If UNLV beats Air Force, and in that matchup, Air Force is undefeated in a top 15 team, I think UNLV now jumps to the top of the G5 rankings with their only loss being to Michigan because that's that would, at this point, be a more significant loss than um, – Tulane's loss to Ole Miss, even though Tulane's loss to Ole Miss was with their backup quarterback. So we could probably argue that one back and forth, probably make a case for both. But I do think the Mountain West is sitting pretty right now as it pertains to the New Year's Six bid. I think for Tulane, Tulane has got to win out. But here's something I want to just point out. And I'm going to say this because last week when I came on here and said that North Texas, I like Tulane to beat North Texas, but I, I, I was taking North Texas in the points. North Texas was a 20-point underdog. I would have taken North Texas as a 10-point underdog. I knew that game was going to be close, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm going to go through the weekend slate here in just a second. But my point is, is if you're looking at Tulane in conference play, they're not exactly just blowing teams out. They had a close call against UAB. They had a close game against Memphis. That was to be expected. But UAB in North Texas, okay, from an outsider's perspective, you're, you're, you're expecting Tulane to blow those guys out. Well, the UAB was a trap game. Okay, they were thinking about Memphis. Okay, what about UNT, though? And so that's where I'm looking going, is Tulane going to drop one as the season plays out? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Coming up this weekend, they are at Rice. That is not going to just be a gimme game. Rice is not going to just be a pushover. This is not the same Rice we've been seeing for the last decade. All right, this team is pretty good. Don't know what happened to them against UConn, but other than that, in conference play, they've been pretty solid. And if they stay healthy, if JT Daniels is healthy, they, they run a unique offense, they air it out, but then they'll power pound you with the run game. I'm not saying Tulane's going to lose to Rice. I'm just saying... Looking at Tulane's last three games and looking at their remaining schedule, should they win out? Absolutely. But with Rice, FAU, UTSA, I do see a potential loss in there. And that's why I think even more for the Mountain West, the, the, the chips are more in their favor for the New Year's Six bid because they've got multiple teams that could come in. There's multiple scenarios that could get them the new year six bid whereas with the american conference right now tulane is it and in order for that to happen tulane not only has to win out but they need some help the main thing being air force losing but they need air force to lose probably before they play unlv definitely before they were to make it to the mountain west conference championship because if if air force gets to the mountain west conference championship undefeated and whoever they're playing has one loss the winner of that game goes to the new year six bid so Ah, uh, yeah, that's why I was really hoping Navy. Like, I felt like if Navy beat Air Force, that would really have put Tulane in the driver's seat. Now, if Army beats Air Force, I think you could make the same argument for Tulane. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, that's, that's 
pretty much all I have on the top twenty-five New Year's Six talk for today. Let's get to the let's get to the games this weekend. And I'm going to start because I obviously already talked about Rice and Tulsa last week. Rice absolutely obliterated Tulsa after I'd been screaming all week from the rooftops, don't bet against Tulsa on a Thursday night. Rice comes in and just absolutely destroys them. But then on Friday night, SMU, 20 and a half point favorite. I told you, if you listened to last week's show, I think on Wednesday, I said I'm taking SMU minus 20 and a half. And you could have taken SMU minus 50 and a half because they absolutely obliterated Temple. This was the most complete game I feel like we've seen from SMU all season. And really, if there is a team, another team in the conference that has an outside shot at getting that New Year's six bid, it's it's SMU. Mainly because both their losses are power five losses, even though that TCU loss just isn't as... That OU loss, definitely, because OU's... They may win the Big 12, but that TCU loss is, is not, it, it, I don't know, it's not as, as good of a loss as if TCU were to, 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 to be playing up to more of a standard that they had last year. But I, I'm not saying SMU's got a likely shot. I'm saying they've got an outside shot, meaning if enough teams lose a couple games, they could end up being next in line, but... I don't know, man, with, with Liberty right there, with Toledo right there getting votes. and So it's a very, very outside shot. But I do think they've got a very good path to the AAC Conference Championship. And if they continue to improve week to week, if they continue to put four quarters of football together, I don't see any reason why they're not. Because their toughest game from here on out it really is, is Memphis. And I think SMU beats Memphis. Like right now, today, I feel like SMU um, is better coached, and I think SMU is getting better quarterback play. SMU's got a stout defense as well. Um, so, but, you know, that, that could change. Then we got to Saturday matchup with Air Force Navy. Oh, I got to let this out real quick. I had Navy minus or plus 10 and a half. That's what I said last week. And, um, Air Force won by 11 because Navy got that touchdown at the end. And instead of kicking the extra point, they went for two. I guess they were, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. I guess they were trying to cut it to where they'd only have to kick two field goals and a touch. I don't don't even know. Not a math guy, but Navy's offense was absolutely awful. They had a true freshman starting, so it's understandable. He's starting. Then they brought the other guy in. He moved the ball a little bit better. But other than this sort of backdoor drive at the end of the game. Um, they had nothing going offensively. Air Force completely shut them down. Navy's Navy's defense was solid. You know, they gave up one, like, big explosive play, I think, in the second quarter. It was like a 94-yard pass that Air Force completed. It looked like a busted coverage. Um, but other than that, Navy's defense was stout. And I said that last week. I said, Navy, I expect Navy's defense to come to play. Their offense has just been hit or miss here lately. But that was kind of that game. Memphis UAB, very interesting first half. Memphis UAB, very competitive first half. Just kind of felt lifeless. Uh, It was a weird game. Weird game. That first half, Memphis almost was playing like they didn't really want to be there. But they had guys making plays. UAB was playing with their backup quarterback. Offense was still able to put points up. And then Memphis made some adjustments in the second half. They shut down UAB's offense in the second half, put some points up on the board, and won comfortably 45-21 in the battle for the Bones. Memphis, man, look. 
I don't think they've got a shot at the New Year's Six. Do they? Are they still in the hunt for the conference championship? Absolutely, they're still in the hunt. I just, man, I don't know that they're going to beat SMU right now, but we'll see. We'll see. They, they may prove me wrong. I just, there's, there's some parts to Memphis I still call into question. I don't need to keep beating the dead horse. I've been saying it for five weeks now, um, and not much has changed. But they do have the playmakers. They do have the talent. As I've said since preseason, they have all the ingredients. Can they put it together and sustain it through the course of the season? They have not been able to do that. Um, I mean, not not in terms of like getting a New Year's Six. I mean, they're, they're obviously having a good season. It's probably disappointing for some fans because, you know, they're not up to the expectation of whatever. Moving on. Uh, Charlotte, East Carolina. That one lived up to the hype. Uh, just a bad football game all around. Charlotte got their first conference win. ECU, man, I don't know what's happening there. So I know that there's people calling for jobs in that fan base. So we'll see what happens as the season plays out. Is it going to just be a coordinator that gets cut? Is the head coach going to get cut? I don't know. I know ECU fans are very disappointed this season. I think everyone, not everyone, I think some people knew that whether the team continued to take a step forward or take a step back was going to be contingent on Mason Garcia coming into the season, meaning if he performed on the high end side of his talent, maybe ECU could continue to to ECU could continue to take steps forward, building off that eight and five season. But that looking at what they lost, I think there was an expectation though that likely they would take a step backwards. I don't know that people felt like they were going to take this massive like leap backwards, which is what they've done. And then losing to Charlotte, who has been in an identity crisis offensively pretty much all season, they lose to them. Charlotte's defense, though, two thumbs up. And, and they've actually been pretty solid consistently throughout the course of the season. Quick thing I wanted to say about Charlotte. If you're a Charlotte fan that happens to be listening right now, how would you feel about Biff Pogey? And it may be too late in the season to do it now, but just as far as offensive identity moving forward, what if they went to an under center triple option? What, do you, what would you think about that? Like just keep building, put all your resources into building a stout defense, play solid defense, and then run you know, an Air Force, Navy, Army-esque style of offense. I mean, you don't have to go full-blown flex bone, but what about that style? Instead of trying to be this Michigan, we're going to line up and bully ball you all game. What if they went to something like that? It's still a time of possession offense, clock control offense. You have explosive plays within that offense, and it's different. It's different. I just feel like that Charlotte is a program I think that that offense would be a good fit for. Curious if you're a Charlotte fan, what your thoughts are. Uh, USF. Ooh, they got the win over UConn. I told you last week, USF fans, there's still hope. There's a very, very good chance they could make a bowl game. They have three very winnable games left on the schedule. One of them was UConn. They needed to win, and they did. So I think the other one was Charlotte, and I don't remember who the third one was, but there are two more games that, that USF could win and get bowl eligibility, which would just be fantastic for that program and for Alex Golish in his first season. Then one of the headliners of the weekend was Tulane, North Texas. I told you last week, I took North Texas in the points. I felt like Tulane was going to win. 
The game went a lot differently than what I anticipated. I thought it was going to be a competitive game from start till about uh, deep into the third quarter is when I, I, I figured Tulane would start to pull away. And I, I figured Tulane would win by about 10. That wasn't the case at all. Tulane went up 21 nothing. North Texas scores 21 unanswered points. The game's tied 28-28. North Texas had a chance to win that game coming down to the last possession. If I'm a North Texas fan, I'm excited about the future of this team. And quite frankly, this team has an opportunity to get bowl eligibility in year one in the American Conference, year one under Eric Morris. I really like the future. And you look at the playmakers they have, and as long as they keep them in the program and keep them out of that portal, there's a lot to like about this UNT team. Tulane, on the other hand, they did what they needed to do. They got the win. And look, if, the, if that's just going to be their brand of football for the remaining of the season, a win is a win, baby. And so if they can win out, like I said, they still need some dominoes to fall their way from the Mountain West perspective. But the New Year's Six dream is still very much alive for the Tulane Green Wave. And, Green Wave. and as I talked about last week, they could make college football history by not just getting back-to-back New Year's Six bids, but winning back-to-back New Year's Six bids as a team representing a Group of Five conference. Uh, so, but that, I mean, and really, even with this last game, UTSA, I thought that game, UTSA-FAU, was going to be way more competitive. Quite frankly, this UTSA team has, has come to life. Like, this is the team that everyone in preseason was expecting. And if you really think about it, the only, like, loss that, that you'd really like to have back if you're UTSA is that Army game. Because, yeah, you, you, had, a, you had your chances to beat Houston and had, had this version of Frank Harris showing up for that game against Houston. they probably win that one, too. But the Army's the one where you're like, ugh. You know, that, that's what's robbing you of a 10-win regular season right now in the event you were to win out. You know, that's what's completely taking you off the board for any uh, New Year's Six conversations because, you know, you lose to Houston, you lose to Tennessee. That's two Power Five losses. It's that Army game. But playing with a backup quarterback, ah, it was just a weird game. Couldn't stop Army for nothing. Offense, only identity they had in that game were explosive plays. Um, but then, or maybe, you know, you get that Houston game back. I don't know. Um, I feel like Frank Harris coming off the off season that he had, he just had to like shake some things off. And now, man, this UTSA team is firing on all cylinders. This is coach Jeff trailer in district play, baby, Texas high school football. He does not lose in district play. So we'll see how he does though, to play out the rest of the season. But if this team keeps playing like this, that Tulane game is going to be big. I told you last week that the winner of UTSA and FAU, I thought it would be on a trajectory that their matchup with Tulane would determine the second team in the American Conference Championship. So in other words, I guess it could either be a rematch, but I feel like SMU, I feel like SMU's got a good chance to win out. And I think they're going to be one team in the AAC Championship. And then I think the winner of Tulane UTSA will be the other team in the AAC championship. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, and let me make sure because UTSA does not play. Yeah, they don't play SMU either regular season. So overall, though, man, the Texas teams showed out. Not just the Texas teams, man, but yeah, I mean, the Texas teams and, and, and 
three of those Texas teams being, um, uh, you know, newcomers, first-year AAC teams. You know, North Texas lost, but they they were a twenty-point dog to a team who's the not just ranked, not, not just the number one team in the conference right now, but the a top twenty-five team came down to the last possession. Rice obliterates Tulsa, SMU obliterates Temple, UTSA blows out FAU. So that was a big week for the Texas teams. And I think this was a big week for the American conference as it pertains to the future of the conference, because there's a lot to like, even though this year, you know, might end up being just a flat out down year overall, depending on what Tulane does and depending on what happens with the mountain West, man, I I really like, even with SMU's departure, I mean, you've got four of the six newcomers that have a legitimate chance to make a bowl game this year. Rice is playing out of their minds. North Texas is improving week to week. UTSA has found the identity we thought they would start the season with. And then even though FAU just got beat pretty good by UTSA, I still think they got a shot at making a bowl game. Now, I think UAB will be okay in time. Charlotte, Charlotte's going to have to find out what works for them. Obviously, they've got the formula defensively. They got to figure out who they are offensively and then build, build, uh, you know, in recruiting around that but yeah man i mean it may not be an overnight thing it may not be a one-year thing but i I like the long-term future of the conference you know at least it feels good after this past weekend i i know a lot of you still though from certain teams are still like well this conference sucks we need to get out as fast as we can hey to each his own that's fine but um those are my thoughts that's it for me today trey smith college game time